Hi, I'm Rena Grobe. And I'm Madhvi Romani. And this is Misinformed, the podcast for lazy but smart people. Every week we'll be discussing a different trend or topic so you can stay informed the easy way. So, Madhvi, what's the topic this week? I just finished watching the HBO documentary called Q Into the Storm and it's about the QAnon conspiracy theory. And I mentioned to somebody this week that I was going to be speaking about QAnon on the podcast and they asked, what is QAnon? And I was like, oh, you know, QAnon, they're everywhere. It's like the biggest conspiracy theory ever. They believe that the Democrats are paedophile and there's this like secret cabal controlling the world. And then I got confused in my explanation because I feel like it is a conspiracy theory that has kind of developed over time and enveloped a lot of other conspiracy theories that kind of came before it. So I was trying to think of a proper explanation of what QAnon is. It's a conspiracy theory that emerged in the United States in 2017 after an anonymous poster who claimed to have a US security clearance, which is like Q, which is very high security clearance, began dropping sort of these messages on this board called 4chan. In a nutshell, according to Travis View, who's a host of the QAnon Anonymous podcast and has written about it for the Washington Post, this is how Travis describes the actual conspiracy, and I think it's quite a good explanation, so I'll just use his words. The theory is that there is a worldwide cabal of Satan-worshipping paedophiles who rule the world and control everything. They control politicians, they control the media, they control Hollywood, and they cover up their existence, essentially. And they would have continued ruling the world were it not for the election of President Donald Trump. Now, Donald Trump, in this conspiracy theory, knows all about this evil cabal's wrongdoing. So now, we would have been ignorant of this behind-the-scenes battle between Donald Trump and the evil cabal, were it not for Q. And what Q is, is basically a poster on 4chan, and actually the poster Q moved from 4chan to 8chan, but Q is still posting but has changed channels, so it's no longer 4chan. Anyway, so we would have been ignorant of this entire battle between Donald Trump and this secret cabal, were it not for Q, who sort of started revealing details about the secret behind-the-scenes battle, and also the secrets about what the cabal is doing, and also the mass upcoming arrest events that are going to occur. So Q makes predictions about what's going to happen, he or she pretty out there so let's just say it's a he because i feel like it's definitely a man (laughs) (laughs) yeah one of my friends has this she frequently says oam which stands for only a man oam only a man would come up with this yeah and there's going to be a new world order and everything's going to change once donald trump basically liberates us all and that's the theory in a nutshell however it is very hard to sort of pin down really concretely because it does constitute a lot of different diverse groups of people. It was interesting when coronavirus sort of started, QAnon became really big, as did all conspiracy theories. And we got these protests, these queer denker protests, which in English means kind of lateral thinking protests or like outside the box thinkers. 
And you could see QAnon people in Germany. So what started in the US became like a worldwide phenomenon affecting people globally. But in Germany, there were QAnon supporters, but then there were also all sorts of different people lumped in together. And a lot of different people who believe in different things also believe in QAnon or have some shared beliefs. And then people who believe in QAnon, you know, they pick and choose different elements of this philosophy, or I guess it's also been called a cult. And I can see that for sure. So it is difficult to really like pin down. But yeah, I've been thinking about <laughs> QAnon. And wow, it's been a ride this week. I think the most kind of frustrating thing about this QAnon documentary, or maybe not the documentary, but the QAnon people themselves is in comparison with other conspiracy theories, they're so close to actually being onto something. So close, but yet so far. So wrong. And it's, it's, you watch this documentary and you're like, so just so I understand this correctly, you believe that the world is being controlled by an elitist group, you know, a small elitist group of people who are making decisions on behalf of everyone. Yeah. And who control Hollywood and the media. And they're not too far off with the pedophiles thing either, because as a symbol on allegory of, you know, what's happening to children worldwide, when you look at ICE or all of the migrants or children in slums and Instagram and children being sexualized. I mean, yeah, we live in a pedophilic society, but you just you, you listen to them talk and you're like, oh, this secret group of people you think control the world. They're not so secret. We all know about them. And so it's so frustrating to be like, oh, you nearly have it. And then somewhere you go off the deep end and start talking about Donald Trump is an agent and they're drinking child's blood in satanic ritual sacrifices. And you're just like, oh, how did we get here? You were so close to the actual truth. It's so frustrating because Donald Trump was very good friends with Jeffrey Epstein, who is a pedophile, sexual predator who was, he's dead now. And when Jeffrey Epstein was arrested, all these QAnoners thought, oh, this is the beginning of all the arresting of all the pedophiles. But Donald Trump, who has been accused multiple times of sexual assault and rape by many, many women, and who was friends with Jeffrey Epstein, and who went to all these parties, and probably, if you look at how his relationship with his daughter is, like there are a lot of pedophilic undertones there that you could pick up on. But no, they don't realize that Donald Trump is part of this elite pedophilic or whatever. They think that Donald Trump is the one who's saving everyone. And that's what's really frustrating too. It's really grown in Germany, the QAnon conspiracy theory. And I think that's because a lot of the echoes of the mythology are anti-Semitic. When they say global elite, a lot of that translates to Jews controlling the world. This has been a very old slogan, but it's just kind of repeated. And then, you know, it goes back to it's got very old storytelling roots. And so the QAnon theory, one of the QAnon theories about Germany is that Germany's actually not a free democratic state. Oh, is this the colony stuff? Yes. This is mind-blowing. Yes, please, I'm excited to hear. But instead, after the war, Germany became a kind of corporate colony of this global elite. Angela Merkel is actually a puppet of this global elite, which is quite funny because when you compare Angela Merkel and Donald Trump, when you think elite, like Donald Trump came from a very, very rich real estate family. Trump goes, plays golf. 
Angela Merkel goes to like, I don't know, the Baltic Sea to the same place for her holiday every year and is just in the nicest way possible, very dowdy and down to earth. And her father was a pastor, but she's sort of considered part of this global elite or even sort of Jewish herself. And according to this far right movement that believes in this, it's called the Reichsbürger or Citizens of the Reich that translates to as of this time last year. So it's probably way bigger now. According to the New York Times, it consisted of about 19,000 followers. They think that basically Trump would come in with an army and liberate Germany and restore the German Reich. Yeah, you kind of want to laugh, but actually... Just to say like how serious this is, one of our German pop stars, who was a former judge on basically Germany's equivalent of American Idol, Xavier Naidu, he posted a YouTube video where he was in tears about children being liberated from underground prisons and stuff. And I think this was really powerful about this theory that everyone buys into it. And so it taps into this very deep anxiety about children being exploited it touches you know your very core yeah it touches your very core there's something very naive and kind of i don't want to say beautiful about it because that's maybe not the right word but it's like they're concerned for children i mean their concern is way off right like if you were concerned for children then there are plenty of other ways to go about it there are plenty of child abuse scandals happening in the world that are not hidden and that you don't have to go searching for like there's child slavery yeah you were saying like looks what happened at the american mexican border you really don't need to dive into conspiracy theories to care for children the reisberger thing is fascinating actually because it's been established since the 1960s and the 1970s I don't know if you know much about the history of them. No. They are part of the Germany's post-war generation of far-right activists. They, yeah, they kind of wanted to build back up the far-right in Germany, obviously. After the 1930s and the 1940s, that was kind of, you know. So they were looking for a way to reestablish the far-right in Germany without taking on the baggage of their parents' generation, essentially, of what had just happened. And they went about it by inserting themselves into global discussions around anti-colonialism and national liberation. So there's this guy called Henning Eichberg, who founded this concept he called ethnopluralism, which is essentially this idea that every group with a distinct ethnic identity should have its own unified, bounded territory to call its own. And they used this as ways of inserting themselves into sort of leftist, anti-colonial discussions, which is, I guess, like kind of where this idea that Germany is an occupied country kind of comes from, right? If they sort of use that narrative to be like, we all should have self-determination, and they infiltrated this space. So basically, they are talking about this idea that every ethnic group needs to have their own space. And so, saying Germany needs to have its own space we need to free ourselves from colonialism, we are an occupied country. So they took this sort of idea and infiltrated these leftist conversations. And so this provided the foundation for raising what far-right groups call the German question, which concerned the divided country's fate under the conditions of the Cold War. So yeah, they, they basically saw themselves as a colony 
of the United States and of the Soviet Union. And so... And the Allied powers. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so then the group that you were talking about, the Reichsbürger, the Citizens of the Reich Movement, which was created in the 2000s, which is also fueled by the same assumption that Germany is an occupied country. I think what's really interesting about this entire thing is, like, it's so fascinating that the same stories and the same tropes and the same images blood drinking, children slaving, Satan, all of these same tropes and stories come up over and over and over again. They just get applied, you know, to the world we're living in, whether it makes any sense or not, because we're trying to maybe make sense of the world as humans. And it's very difficult for us because everything's so connected and so random. And there's so much information and we can't really deal with random. And with conspiracy theories, you have this, I forgot what it's called, like this proportional craving, if you know what I mean. So for example, with the QAnons, JFK's murder, you know, whether it was murdered or not, or whether JFK Jr. is going to come back and all of this kind of stuff is part of this conspiracy theory. And a lot of people think that JFK Jr. will come back. And JFK kind of gave birth to a lot of conspiracy theories because it was a really big event that changed the world. So just a really big event that changed the world, it can't be attributed to one unhinged man with a gun who just shot him. For human beings, such a massive effect can't be put down to such a small thing. Whereas Reagan, for example, there was an assassination attempt on him, but the only difference is he didn't die. Mm. And there are no conspiracy theories about the shooter who tried to assassinate Reagan because it didn't change the world, but it was more or less the same kind of circumstances. The thing about all of these moral panics is, is that they always recycle the same themes of emotional manipulation. And it's because they work. People care about children. So it's an easy way to rope people in by saying, oh, your children are threatened. And we see this not only in conspiracy theories, right? You also see it when you have the anti-abortion crusaders. They always use children as ammunition to get you onto their side or to manipulate you. Like, humans are very simple creatures in the end, right? Like, we care about a handful of things. And so if history shows us anything, it's that you can use them. Yeah, sort of what's really interesting about QAnon, Bellingcat had this article about it called The Making of QAnon, A Crowdsourced Conspiracy. So when we think of Pizzagate, we think that it's kind of QAnon related, but actually Pizzagate happened before QAnon. Oh, interesting, really? Yeah, conspiracies like this were mentioned, according to this article, at least 45,000 times on the 4chan board that is like slash poll. And slash poll is a mishmash of sort of white supremacist, anti-democrat, racist, conspiracy theory, far-right Christian ideas, like this big mishmash. And it was born out of these chat boards and a lot of QAnon broad beliefs. It all sort of came from these boards and which is why it says like it's crowdsourced because before QAnon there were other Anons as well posting on 4chan with pretty similar claims you know like Hillary Clinton sexually abused and richly sacrificed children all of that kind of stuff was there before the Q that started posting and then this idea of that human beings just have is like we live in a reality but we just we always think there's a reality behind the reality we're living in and this is, goes back to religion, I guess. QAnon has been described as a cult, and I can really see that. You know, there's another coming, a new world order, like what you see is not really what you see, that kind of stuff. Mm. And 
I don't know, but this crowdsourcing is one of the things in the documentary. It's such a big question, is this like right to free speech, which we're living in now and QAnon and all these boards and everything just brings this into question. Like, what is everyone's right to free speech? To what extent? Mm. And it's not so easy, that question. Before we go there very quickly, I just wanted to say something. So there was a study conducted by Princeton University in 2016 that found a clear link between social isolation and tendencies to believe in conspiracy theories. This is mentioned in this article in the Washington Post. And the author is German, and they're explaining how this is might be one of the reasons why in socially deprived areas in East Germany, the percentage of people who believe in conspiracies is higher than in other areas. And similar polls in the United States have identified that working white-class people who feel excluded from society are also more susceptible to these things. And this reminds me of this book that I read that I think probably talk about a lot, I'm not sure, called The Spirit Level, and it's postgraduate study. And in the study, the authors are looking at the correlation between social equality and wealth, but there's an entire chapter where they look at things like community and social integration and crime rates. And again, the conclusion that they come to is regardless of nationality, social level, the more community, the more social aspects you have, the more you look after people, things like crime, loneliness severely drops. And so I'm not trying to say we should have sympathy for people who believe in QAnon, but pushing people further to the fringe, alienating them, telling them how ridiculous they are, which like they are completely ridiculous. All of these conspiracy theories are very ridiculous. It sort of just reinforces their beliefs that the entire world is against them and that they're the only ones who see the lights. And if you watch the documentary, the HBO documentary, they, they show this example of this family, right? Who say, oh, we were Democrats until recently, and now they've just become full-blown QAnons. And this, like, isolation from everyone else, like, that's how they really get you. And I don't know, I think we need to think better about how we talk about them. Yeah, I mean, I think you're definitely onto something. Because what's very clear in this documentary, and I kind of like that he doesn't judge them, he just lets them speak. I think there are almost two camps in this QAnon conspiracy. There are the people who really believe it and who are, you know, they're on the edge of tears because they think children are being abused for real. And they're trying to get the truth out there and they genuinely believe it. And I think they also, they feel like they're connected to something bigger than themselves. And they're connected to a community Mm -hmm. that decodes things, you know, that they build together. It's this like co-creation of a, it is like a religion in a sense. That obviously is a reflection of something deeply wrong in our society we've built our entire societies around these like small family units and individualism and this must be an effect of that also social media has a massive 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 impact on this and then the more you use social media the more isolated you become but the more connected you become to like things on on social media and disconnected from the real world so this just goes back to my theory that all anyone ever wants is to belong and to be understood and feel like they have value and a place in society but wait there's more (laughs) the second group of people so what's shown in this documentary basically is that q started posting on 4chan and then switched to 8chan and 8chan is run by just really weird people who live in manila they're not filipino no they're americans americans who moved to manila are just odd 
Paul LaRue, I believe, lived there for a while. Yeah, so Paul LaRue is a big mastermind criminal who started selling like pharmaceuticals and drugs online and was largely responsible for the opioid crisis in the US and then started foraying into all sorts of illegal activities such as having people assassinated and building salmon farms in Somalia and I don't know just like funding armies and he just he was a computer guy who the Paul LaRue story is super interesting there's a book on it and multiple podcasts I think Reply All does one they reminded me of Paul LaRue when I was watching the QAnon documentary so the I've forgotten his name what's the guy who started HN what's his name Frederick so there's Jim and Ron Watkins who basically get Fred who is the original creator yeah of 8chan and they pay for him to come live in Manila and they live there and Jim is the dad he I think is just like a business savvy kind of guy he was in the American army he has eyebrows that remind me of Fritzel he's got Fritzel eyebrows yeah And he has a son called Ron, who's like a computer programmer type person. When I was watching the documentary, for some reason I assumed Ron was significantly older than me. He's like 33. I don't know how old I thought he was, but that for some reason really shocked me. What's interesting also is when you see Ron in all his shots, he's got these weird sex dolls next to him. Or when you see Jim, he's wearing outrageous outfits. Just everything is off about these people. But yeah, they are like Paul LaRue in a way because... They are doing things on the internet in a kind of trolly way. Like, they're so into sort of doing things, and it's almost like a game. It's gamified, right? They're not Mm -hmm. taking it seriously. So the theory is, one of the theories that is opened up by this documentary is that when QAnon moved from 4chan and to 8chan, the 8chan people who run the channel, which is Jim and Ron, they kind of just overtook QAnon and there was a stylistic analysis between the posts from Q, who was on 4chan, and Q on 8chan. And there is a stylistic difference in the way that they post, what they post about, things like that. Some things are continuous, but a lot of... It seems like there are different people running the Q account. They're keeping this going and I think it's very cynical. And actually, uh, I think he, calls about, he talks about like philosophical cynicism or skepticism in the documentary, which is like, they're kind of playing a game, they're attracting a lot of money and a lot of traffic to their channel. They're seeing it wreak havoc on the world, but they don't care. Frederick, who started the board, has a very interesting perspective. Because he used to be all for free speech and then he's like, he's doing this questioning of, you know, what are the real world effects and what do we do about this massive question of free speech? And like I said, it's, I mean, it's a big question. I, I think the documentary brings up a lot and like, I don't think we can answer that necessarily because, of course, what is free speech? Yeah, and also what, what the QAnon thing brings up is like, what is truth? We're not even talking now about we all agree on a reality and we disagree about the facts. We're talking about two fundamental different views on reality and the truth of reality, and that's massive. It kind of reminds me of the Reformation. I wrote this article once on the Gutenberg Press and how it changed the world, basically. And I talked to this professor who, he said that before the Gutenberg Press, you had this kind of marketplace where anyone, whoever shouted the loudest, had the truth. Mm -hmm. or dominated the view on truth and then you had the Gutenberg press 
and things started getting printed and whatever was printed you know by a book by a publisher that then was the truth and then the internet came up and now we're all reckoning with the fact that yeah whatever was printed was printed by certain people and that's one view of the truth but then we are going back to this marketplace where you know these cumulative kind of shouts and echoes and like this what is the truth and what's really interesting about this time when gutenberg started the printing press and the reformation so martin luther kind of go hand in hand and martin luther at that time a whole wars broke out in europe because of basically some people said that the pope and priests were not needed to translate the bible and some people said no everyone should read the bible and that actually, when you drink the wine and eat that wafer or the bread, it is, does really turn into the blood and the flesh of Christ. And some people said that it wasn't. Whole wars broke out on these two fundamental different views of reality. And now when we think about it, we think, well, there's so many other religions and so many other views and reality and QAnon is just one of them. And, you know, it could, it, it can lead to war still because we're basically we're having the same fight over what is reality and what is truth. I mean, you know, they stormed the capital. So the incitement of violence is definitely there. In the documentary, they talk about how, you know, the shooting in Christchurch, all of these things started on a lot of these people found their communities and were radicalized through some of these messaging boards like 8chan. So we're seeing a spike. Well, I don't know. You know what? I don't know. I was about to be like, we're seeing a spike in violence. I don't actually know if that's true. But for sure, violence incited by these QAnon things, 100%. Again, it goes back to like what you were saying at the beginning is like, oh, they're so close yet so far. Because, you know, you have um, the majority of the population is just like complacent in an accepting of reality, whereas these people feel propelled to do something called, you know, Pizzagate to free children and no matter how misguided and violent and awful and terrible it is, but there's a real impulse there that feels authentic and right in some way or, like, has an effect. This idea to, like, have an effect on the reality of the world or challenge it in some way. But yeah, it's way off base. <laughs> yeah. The great thing about the Pizzagate thing, too, is that, right, they were convinced that kids were being held in the basement. And then I think, do they say this in the QAnon documentary? I can't remember. Like one simple Google search would have revealed that pizza place doesn't have a basement. But like the facts didn't matter, right? It's what you're saying. It was like that. Because it reinforces the problem with things like this is like, okay, so if Google Maps and if the New York Times and everyone reports there was no basement, there were no kids in the basement. Well, of course, because they were all controlled by the cabal, you know what I mean? So it's self... I think it's plausible deniability. Mm. I think that's the thing that Trump always also... And Trump was a big troll. Like, I think Trump is in the Ron and Jim Watkins camp where, you know, he knew about QAnon. I think Steve Bannon had a lot to do with it. Steve Bannon is a master manipulator to see these trends and he started you know they were all using these images these words these secret sort of signifiers or not so secret even like where we go one we go all ww one wwga which even like i think the afd uses this hashtag because they are rewarded on social media because everything is amplified just by, you know, using these little terms and jumping onto QAnon. So a lot of people will be jumping onto the QAnon thing too. Yeah. Opportunistic trolls, Ron and Jim sitting in Manila. 
determining the fate of the world a little bit or controlling it to some extent. It's very worrying. This is the problem when sort of geeky, rich, entitled men basically start ruling the world because with technology that's happened, you know, people like Mark Zuckerberg. And this is this elite thing again, like they are manipulating it, but QAnon is part of the manipulation. And on that note, here are our three things you can do this week to be a better person. Number one, if you do know somebody who is into conspiracy theories or into QAnon, if you have the capacity for it, maybe don't isolate them further or just tell them that what they're saying makes no sense because studies show that that just reinforces their beliefs. Thing two, watch HBO's documentary Q Into the Storm. It's worth watching and worth understanding the way these things develop and happen. And thing three, there is something to be learned from QAnon supporters because they are super engaged and concerned about the world and questioning it. And we should all be engaged with the world's problems and question power structures and systems and go about in earnest trying to change it and stop the spread of misinformation and fight for the truth. Thank you for listening. Until next week, goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also help us by supporting us on Patreon for as little as four euro a month. Visit patreon.com slash misinformed. For links to all our sources and for our personal tips on what to watch and read, subscribe to our weekly newsletter at misinformed.substack.com. You can follow us on Instagram at the underscore miss underscore informed or email us your feedback, requests, or just to say hi, misinformed.podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you.